You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. You are inside the QB Factory, episode 11, brought to you by the Five Folk at SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. I am your host, Michael Kist. Follow me on Twitter at Michael Kist NFL. that's K-I-S-T. And as always, here to break down some Carson Wentz performance reviews, we're going to look at the upcoming enemy opponent for the Eagles, as we do every week. And to do that with me as quarterback one in our hearts, in our dreams, in our minds, he is Mark Schofield. Follow him on Twitter at Mark Schofield. Mark. How you doing, brother? Oh, dear God. Do we have to do this show? This one? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. Oh, oh. We're going to take an origin shotgun to this thing. This a blast to the dome on this one. I mean, look, we will start with a historical reference just so we can stave off what we have to discuss today and push that off as long as we can, humanly possible. As everybody who listens to the show knows, bit of a video game kid. Um, and I've actually, Mike, I've dusted off Assassin's Creed Unity. Nice. Remember that one, the little French Revolution? Yeah. Um, and as as typically happens, that's caused me to start reading some stuff. And so I dusted off a book titled Work and Revolution in France, The Language of Labor from the Old Regime to 1848. And if it sounds boring, I was it's say. because it's completely boring. I was going to say, really exciting stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I was assigned to read this in college and I was like flipping through it and I got maybe halfway through it. And yeah. for whatever reason – as a man of now 43 years of age, it is still on a bookshelf. I have probably moved this book like six or seven times in my life, and it is still here to this day. But it brings us to this quote from Denis Dediwar. Dediwar. I butchered that, <laughs> but that's it. okay. Nailed it. And he's a French philosopher, and he was one of the first French philosophers to really sort of stress what we will call the mechanical arts. Mm. Now- Didier censors his countrymen's disdain for artisans and presents the trades as the very foundation of civilization, without which the sublime arts of poetry, philosophy, government, and war would be impossible. Quick aside, we're folding war into the sublime arts of poetry, philosophy, and government. Sure. Interesting call, but we'll roll with it. It's a choice. Yet he portrays the very artisans that are to be admired as human automatons incessantly repeating a prescribed set of mechanical operations. The artisan is admirable, not because he is intelligent, but because he is useful. And although the craft he pursues may be subtle and complex, the artisan's understanding of it is merely habitual. For Diderot, the wisdom of a mechanical art is embodied in its rules, not in the persons of its practitioners. And it was this phrase, Mike, incessantly repeating a prescribed set of mechanical operations. Hmm. That popped into my head as I was watching Carson Wentz destroy any hope of completing passes with a messed up left foot on throw after throw after throw. 
Yeah, and we're going to get into the mechanics of Carson Wentz. What we're, we're going to do with this a little bit differently today. Normally, we would take like an overview. Uh, today, we're actually we're both just going to sit down and we're going to watch a few plays from Carson Wentz. We're going to talk about the mechanics. We're going to talk about the decision-making as well, which I think has been a problem for Wentz. But Mark, first, the, the big news of the day is obviously the official NFL Research Twitter account going rogue and firing shots both at Carson Wentz and at Doug Peterson over the term layups. And I'd read you the roast, but it has since been deleted. <laughs> Basically, the account took Doug to task over the phrase and posted a bunch of uh, Wentz stats on easy throws, quote unquote. Then they turned its sights on Doug and hit him with both barrels regarding his <laughs> lack of accuracy. Like, I mean, you didn't wow. have to do all that. <laughs> you didn't have to do Doug like that, guys. I mean, it's one thing to push back on the idea that Carson Wentz is missing some easy throws. And I think anybody that's listening to the show, anybody that's recording this episode, as in Mike and I, would tell you that, yeah, Carson Wentz is missing what we would term some easy throws. And they, in that thread, walked you through the completion percentage above expectation and all that stuff. But to then at the end, just like go double barrel and Peterson and just be like, I mean, I'm thinking like, if I were to ever write an article about a quarterback and somebody like dredged up my woeful completion percentage as the worst quarterback in all of college football in the late 90s. I mean, I'm not kidding, kids. Like, NESCAC football is the worst conference in all of college football, period, full stop. And when you are a backup quarterback at a sub-500 NESCAC school, like, you are the worst quarterback in all of college football. Like, I I wear that mental pro- mantle proudly. But if, like, suddenly, like, I, I wrote a piece, like, ripping, you know, Ryan Tannehill or something, and the Titans' main account was like, and this is coming from a guy that completed 33% of his passes at Wesleyan University. <laughs> I mean, man, I'd have to go into hiding. That's that's bad news. That's affairs. rough. So neither of us have ever thrown an NFL throw, as Doug Peterson has pointed out in his presser, talking with Jimmy Kevsky, which was a fun exchange. So disregard everything that we're about to say. I just want to say, man, whoever gave the green light on that tweet thread, like, man, you're not mad at Doug. You're either mad at another department or yourself, and you need to let that hate go because that was <laughs> Way you're just extra. mad at the world. I mean, <laughs> look, 2020's been rough on everybody. I yeah. get it. You could have stopped after the first four or five tweets there. <laughs> you didn't have to go do the man like that. I mean, what, what are you going to say next? I mean, what was left in the drafts? Like, all everybody's right. Twitter account has some draft tweets that they need to just erase from existence because they're, they shouldn't go there. Yeah. What was left on the cutting room floor? So make sure you follow at NFL Research yep. for more scorching hot burner takes like that. All right, Mark, let, let's get into the Carson Wentz week two performance review against the Los Angeles Rams. And like I said, what we're going to do is we're going to sit down and watch some film and I'm going to get your thoughts on some of these. I'm going to give my thoughts to you if you agree. And I want to talk about a few decisions here that I found questionable. So if you could, let's turn our game pass page to second quarter. There's 134 on the clock. It is first and 10 on the Philadelphia 33. Now for the Rams, it looks like they're in some sort of zone shell here. They're they're taking away the deep stuff as they did for a lot of this game. And Wentz starts out looking to his left for the high-low read with Deshaun Jackson and Dallas Goddard. And instead of kind of holding that for a half beat, he suddenly darts his eyes back to the middle of the field and really like blindly rips this thing to Zach Ertz over the middle. There are two guys underneath this thing. 
This one was baffling to me because there is a guy open and and he just throws it right into traffic. I thought it was a really poor decision and poor throw. Yeah, this this one's a head scratcher. Um, you know, tr- trying to figure out exactly what coverage they're in. I think we can just say, look, it's a cover to family coverage. You know, middle of the field open. You've got two high safeties. It looks like they might be potentially in cover four to the right right here because the corner runs with that outside vertical route. But you've got a hard cover two look to the left side of the formation here. So it might be something like cover six. Yeah. Because, you know, the one tight end releases to the flat. Goddard releases to the flat. And that corner stays down on it. Mm -hmm. Then you've got the corner route from Deshaun Jackson that's going to be working against an inside leveraged half field safety. That route's going to be open. Yeah. I think Wentz is seeing the middle of the field open read and thinking he can squeeze this post route in. But the problem is, like you point out, Mike, you've got two basically underneath defenders under it, and you've got the two safeties over the top of it. And they're not going anywhere. They're not going anywhere. So by the time the ball arrives, there are four defenders around Zach Ertz. Like, this is just a risky throw, particularly when you circle back to how we started this conversation. You've got a cover two beater. You've got smash to the left side here. Mm-hmm. Like, that's designed to high-low the cornerback. The cornerback bites down. I mean, Steve Spagnuolo a couple years ago did a great sort of NFL game pass video on coverage rules and things like that. And he talked about when you're in sort of cover two as a cornerback, there's that no cover area. You're not going to cover anything five yards or less. Yeah. Well, the corner here bites down on the route to the flat. That creates a huge throw window to throw that corner out. Yep. And he tries to squeeze this in. We've talked before about Wentz playing hero ball. This is a hero ball throw. So he misses both reads, that smash read on the uh, on the left side. And let, let's let's go to the second throw here because I, I think that one's pretty self-explanatory. We all saw it live and we were like, what the heck is that? Let's go to third quarter, 814. It's oh first boy. and 10 on the Rams 21. This is the interception with uh, J.J. Ortega-Whiteside. Uh, in the playbook here, they have it as, I believe, slinky west right, F96, naked left Y cross. So there's a couple things to notice. First, they bring their tight ends from 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 right to left. And the, and the Rams do a great job of hemming this up and staying disciplined. There is nothing open on this play like Ertz is bracketed. And, and like in the playbook, the progression is number one, Dallas Goddard from an inline tight end alignment working shallow on a cross. He's covered. Number two is Zach Ertz working the same way on an over route. So you're creating a two level read there. He's not open. He's bracketed. Number three is run in the playbook is actually what it says. So like I said, there is nothing on one and two. And the backside backer doesn't crash down the line and run support. So there's nowhere to run. So he's got to kind of pull it up, which is fine. Two routes aren't necessarily part of the progression, but you can go to them. There's Rager on the left. He slips on his route. So he's not viable, right? And the post from J.J. Ortega-Whiteside on the right. With this first three options burn, this is where the mistake happens. And here's the thing. I really don't mind the process from Wentz here. I know uh, Benjamin Solak took issue with it in his excellent video review on uh, this on Twitter, but this boundary safety, I don't think he makes this play. The problem is the throw. So J-Jaw has to keep his route high. What And what do we mean by that? That means he's not going to flatten towards the middle of the field. He's going to take this post upfield and away from that boundary safety that I mentioned. Wentz yams this thing in there with everything he's got, but he's behind on the throw and you watch JJ Ortega Whiteside and you'll see when the ball's in the air, he has to start to put the brakes on as the ball comes in. This allows the trailing cornerback to recover and undercut for the interception. I really do think 
that if this is more towards the middle of the field, maybe a little bit deeper into the end zone, that this is six. So I agree with Ben that the throw is ultimately the issue. It's a hard one to make right there on the edge of the red zone. But if you're going to take this chance with a tiny window, you have to execute the throw. Wentz didn't. Uh, Mark, where do you stand on this one as far as like which boxes it checks? Is it bad decision and bad throw or just bad throw? Or what do you think? I'm in the bad throw camp. Okay. Like you mentioned, Ben. Ben did a fantastic video on it. Fran Duffy did a fantastic video on it. Dan Orlovsky talked about some of the issues that we see on this play and others um, when he was on NFL, whatever show that is, on ESPN on Monday. Like you said, uh, he tries to yam this thing in there, right? The problem is in trying to yam this in there, he prevents himself from accomplishing that goal. Because when you watch this, and I did a video of it too, and I wrote a piece at USA Today about what is wrong with Carson Wentz. When you watch this play, pay particular attention to his left leg. Mm. Because not only does he overstride, he locks up that left front leg in doing so because he's trying to generate so much motion into that. The problem is, look what happens to Wentz when he finishes this throw. Where does he finish it? He finishes it falling backwards, yeah, falling away from it. And this happened a few times. You want to finish throws going forward, finish it through the front foot with all your momentum behind the ball going forward. Here, because he locks up that front leg, it serves as a break in two ways. In the more, you know, common nomenclature of what a break is because it stops him from going forward and he actually jerks backward away from it. That's issue number one. Issue number two is it causes what we call a break in the throwing chain from the upper body and the lower body. And I'm holding up for those watching on News Channel 8, Steve Axman's coaching quarterback passing mechanics. I quoted this in the video I did. I quoted it in the piece I wrote. When you lock up that front leg, it breaks the upper body from the lower body in the throwing motion. And it doesn't allow you to get through the rotation. And what it ultimately does is as he writes, it causes a situation in which the football is pulled down low, thereby causing a substantial loss of torque and power. Mm. The throw dies. Like you yep. said, JJ has to sort of slow up. So in trying to drill this throw in there, Wentz actually defeats himself. It's a self-defeating prophecy. Yeah. Because he causes his body to lock up, that front leg to lock up, the throw and chain breaks, he loses power and torque, the throw dies, J-Jaw has to sort of slow up to wait for it and allows the corner to come underneath it. So that's the issue here. And we're going to return to this front leg a couple of times, I think. That's the mechanical issue that I sort of teased in the historical reference. There's a mechanical problem right now that is holding him back. You can look at some decisions. There's a very curious decision. I know we're going to get to a little bit later, but this one, the decision is fine. The two over routes from the tight end, both of them are basically doubled. Mm. One's truly doubled, the deeper one, the shallow one, you've got that underneath linebacker, that whole defender who's basically covering that too as he's waiting for once to make his decision. Yeah. Regor falls down. If you're going to throw the ball, this is the throw. Now maybe, look, what's the situation? It's first and 10. You could throw it away. Yeah. Like there's also that option available to you. This is a one score game. You get a touchdown here. Who knows what we're having the conversation about right now? Right. But instead, he tries to drill this, works against himself in doing so. And now we're wondering about Carson Wentz. And a way to, I was just visually kind of like working out my head how the listener at home could kind of experience this lock. Just straighten your leg, put it out yeah. in front of you, and lean up against it and see yeah. what happens. You rock back. And that's like, what happened to Wentz. Literally, I, I kid you not, listeners, 
whenever I start writing about quarterback mechanics, I act it out. Yeah. Like last night when I was writing about Wentz, because there's a front foot issue, which I might as well mention. There are sometimes throws where he keeps that outside edge of his left foot. Yeah. not It's like parallel to his target. And he like rolls his ankle, right? Yeah. <laughs> and so try this. Like I was doing this last night. I was in my office. I was trying to throw a football, putting my foot that way. And you can literally feel – it's almost like – and now look, I'm old. I'm 43. So this <laughs> might have just been happening naturally. But I felt like I was going to dislocate my left hip in doing so. Right. And you want to talk about breaking the throwing chain. Like I felt like a mess. Yeah. And then of course, I was right in the moment when my wife came downstairs to see what I was doing. My marriage is fine. But she was like, what in the world is going on here? But it's the same thing. Stand up wherever you are, your office, your home office, whatever, and try to work through throwing a football with your front leg completely locked. You'll feel that break between your upper body and your lower body. You'll feel your body, like you, like Mike just said, jerk back. That's what it's like. That's what it does to you. Now, imagine doing it at a man of Carson Wentz's size on a football field trying to throw a football with violent torque. You mm. can imagine what will happen. So let's go to fourth quarter. 12.24 to go, second and eight on the Rams 15. This one was hot on Twitter. Uh, this is your uh, obligatory spot concept in the red zone for the Eagles. And I, I took a little flack from people on this one saying that Wentz was right to come off of Dallas Goddard on this one. I do, however, think there's more to criticize here than I initially thought. But first, Mark, watching this play through, Goddard is going to fly up that right side. When Wentz's eyes go to him, Jalen Ramsey is in a in a in a slight backpedal. He's got his hips open to Goddard. And there's also a safety scraping that way. So let's start here. Is is Wentz right to to come off this read at first, or should he have held it for a half second more, which probably then allows him to see that window opening up and then make the throw? Because when the throw is open to me or is opening up, he's not there on it anymore. We all know that things happen faster in the red zone. You know, this is like you said, it's spot. He's working that spot route. That gets jammed up with some traffic. As a result, he doesn't feel comfortable coming to it, you know, because there's traffic created. I would have liked him to give this one more half beat. I could see why he came off it when he did, though. Right. Because if you're looking at it, you're not exactly sure what Ramsey's going to do. It looks like they're in a red zone cover three here. So you're thinking that maybe he bites down. But you're also worried that he's going to stay deep. Right. You also look at the next, that hook defender. He's pretty deep. At the time, Wentz is staring at this traffic that's created and Goddard potentially releasing up the seam. That inside hook defender, he's at like the four, almost the three-yard line. Mm -hmm. And so when Goddard starts to clear this, yes, he starts driving down. But by then, Wentz has moved on. Yeah, and let's talk about that. so Wentz moves on quickly. But I can understand why he moved quickly. Right. Okay. Now he's probably thinking, you know, you've got backside. You've got basically a sit and a seam. Yeah. Maybe he's thinking he could square that little seam route in there. But again, you're going to have to yam that throw in. I, as soon as he sees that middle of the field safety, though, he should he should know it's not there, right? Like, And what's weird, what happens next, right? He, he looks to his left, like you mentioned. He sees it's not there. And then he looks back to his right, to where the initial read was. And he's got like Ertz waving his arm saying, right here, brother, nothing but space around me. 
But Wentz, as he's moving to his right, then brings his eyes back to the left. For what reason, I don't know. And that's where I take issue with the play. His eyes are everywhere on this. And he just settles for a half a tick. If he does that, he probably hits Ertz on this easy conversion. Do you agree or disagree on that? No, I'm, that's that's where we are completely in sync here. Okay. Because it's, it's that second look back to the left. Because right. once he comes to the left, he sees, okay, you can't throw that little you know route in the end zone. If he comes back right... There's nobody within like five yards of Hertz. Yep. Like that's when you just look, you just take this. Like for some reason, the sea has parted, walked through the now open sea, mm. but he hasn't. He, he like then looks back to the left, which I don't understand. How has that situation improved? You know? Yep. There's no way that route is suddenly open. <laughs> and, you know, that other under, un, that under route on the left, that's op- not an option either. Yep. So just at this point, he has to take it. I don't know why he doesn't. And then, of course, he sort of tries to create and like backpedals, and now is forced to throw it away. So, like as as far as this play goes, the way I sort of graded out, I understand why he came off the concept initially. Mm-hmm. You know, given the relationship of everybody, given how it was played out, given the sort of mess of traffic that was created on the little rub idea off the spot, I understand why he looked left. I can get it. Some may disagree, and that's fine. But it really sort of breaks down for me after he looks at the left side of the field, doesn't see anything at this point. You've got to stay on that concept now. Like, just stay on it. Make a decision on it. You have an option available to you. Why in the world do you then say, eh, I'm going to just peek one more time? (laughs) Like, maybe things have gotten better. Like, that never, it's it's like, you know, when you assume you can drive through downtown for dance, (laughs) you know, without a trophy system on your truck. And you just think, you know what? I think things have gotten better now. I know there's all sorts of recon flares going off. Yeah. I can see on the heartbeat sensor that there are bodies everywhere. <laughs> but I'm going to give it a shot anyway because I think it's going to be better by the time I, I look back over here. And, and then, we all know how that predictably ends. Yeah, with an RPG or C4 or something to that effect. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe that happened to us the other night in Warzone. Who can Maybe. say? Uh, Mark, so I'm enjoying this. Let's go with one more before we go to break here. Fourth quarter, 843, second and 10 on the Rams 44. It's 31 to 19 Rams. The Eagles have a chance to get back in this thing. And this one's simple, right? After Wentz airmails one over the middle to Miles Sanders, he gets Dallas Goddard beating Jalen Ramsey in man coverage to his left, which by the way, holy crap, yes. Dallas Goddard, doesn't he look like an athlete? Play played through the the painful calf injury entire last year. He looks more at he was already an athlete. He looks more athletic this year, fully healthy. I know he's got the the thumb thing or the finger thing or whatever, but like holy crap, this is a, this is a great job by him. Goddard gets the stack on Ramsey running that nine route, and Wentz decides that instead of throwing it out in front. He throws it back shoulder. Goddard puts a hand back, but that's an insanely difficult catch to make. You're moving away from it. Am I wrong to think that this was poor process from Wentz in terms of placement? I mean, that's exactly right. And by the way, this was one of those moments where I had to triple check both our lads, <laughs> the Eagles website, the Rams website. Am I seeing this right? Did Dallas Goddard just burn Jalen Ramsey on a nine route from a three by one Y ISO alignment? Yeah. Yes. As a matter of fact, he did. Because at first blush, I'm like, look, why are we throwing this? Like, right. right? This is Jalen Ramsey you're trying to test with your tight end. And then the more I watched this play, I was just wowed by how Jalen Ramsey gets beaten here by Dallas Carr. This is just a tremendous route. Reward your boy. Yes. Okay. Your yes. tight end just beat Jalen Ramsey in man coverage. Throw the ball out there for him. Yep. 
like put it in a place where he could get it. Like to try to turn this in. Why are you turning this into a? You throw back shoulder throws when the coverage is good, right? Not when the coverage is bad, right? When the coverage is good, you throw back shoulder because it will create separation that isn't there. When the separation is there, you put the ball downfield. If he had overthrown this by two yards, I'd be like, okay, fine. Like sometimes you miss on throws downfield. You'd love to have it. You'd love to reward Dallas Goddard when he does this, mm. but okay, like it happens. Yeah. But to try to turn this into a back shoulder throw, why? Mm. You're making it so Jalen Ramsey can potentially make a play on the ball. Like, I don't understand the decision to put this throw where he did. And watch his mechanics on this when he throws this from the end zone angle. Because he's got like a little, like, are you okay with this? Because he flips, no. he jumps no. and flips his hips in the air. What is this? <laughs> what is, you know, I'm going to do something that in the world of doing this show, I don't think I would ever have done. <laughs> this is Trubisky-esque. Oh, no. This is ah! Trubisky-esque. It is. Look at where his feet are when he lets this go. It's a mess. His feet are parallel yep. to where he's throwing. Yep. And there's no there's no reason to attempt this Tim Tebow, Mitchell Trubisky jump pass. Like, he's clean. The pocket's, the pocket's clean. clean. <laughs> Step into this. Give your guy a chance. What are we doing? doing yeah i think he might be rushing there like <laughs> what time is it it's 11 i need a drink it's 11 30 i need a second drink yeah okay i'll get you no we, we'll, we'll get there we'll get there if you need what to step up while doing, we're at Mike? break here we, we can we can do that i mean i think he's rushing this and wow does it turn out to be a mess i Adam. mean seriously i'm looking at the ball is just out of his hands he's he, like he's like in the air on his tippy toes kind of yeah. and his hips are it looks like when this when he lands with his feet, it looks like he is going to run at a forty five degree angle away from the line of scrimmage. To the sideline, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is Houston. We have a problem, kids. Mark, all right. So we 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 dug through those four plays. We we took a bit to do it, but I really really enjoyed this uh, this discussion. Anything last thing on Wentz before we get a break and get on to uh, some Joe Burrow? Look, I mean, the one thing I will say, I put this in the USA Today piece. Um, when Ben Solak, when Ben put up a video on Wentz's footwork, Quincy Avery, quarterback coach, quarterback tutor, said that these issues that he's having are there, but they are fixable. Mm. They are fixable with you know determined and dedicated practice. So these are fixable issues. The problem is, can you fix mechanical issues in the midst of a season? Like that's the concern here. Do they have the time? to fix mechanical issues when you have to get ready to play the Bengals, when you have to get ready to play the games you're going to have to play. So it's fixable, but can it happen right now? That's the concern. So that's the positive side of things with Wentz. I mean, all he has to do is progress to the to the average mean. And uh, I guess we're working with something better than what we've been working with the past two weeks. I think everybody's just panicking because it has been the uh, the first two weeks. And look, I get it. Like, I'm I'm... I'm not exactly too confident either that he gets this fixed right away, but either way, it is fixable. We'll see if he can get right against the Cincinnati Bengals, and that's going to be our topic of discussion next. His duel with Joe Burrow, that's coming up next here on the QB Factory. And we are back on the QB Factory, episode 11, SB Nation, Bleeding Green Nation, bringing it to you, Michael Kiss with QB1 in our hearts, in our minds, Mark Schofield. Mark, I'm going to be honest with you, every week... We we preview the upcoming enemy opponent, and I usually cram some film on that player to prep for this. So I, I gotta say, the only thing I've seen from Cincinnati Bengals rookie 
quarterback, Joe Burrow, is a live view of the Thursday night football game against the Browns. Maybe like one drive on on game pass from that game before we started recording. But like I'm impressed. With, I don't have a whole lot of high expectations for the guy. Like year one, I just kind of want to see what we're working with, what needs to improve, what's already there. I've been impressed with the guy so far. And, and I'm going to be watching film later today to prep for the Kiston Solak preview show. And when I do that, what am I looking for for Burrow? What can I expect from the guy? I mean, I think there are two things to keep in mind as we prepare for Sunday. One is the empty formations. Yeah. And it probably shouldn't be a surprise. Look, you look back at LSU, I think something like 80% of their plays were five-man protections in Joe Brady's offense. So he's used to throwing with five-man protections, making a read and getting the ball out quickly. And if he has to sort of react into pressure in the pocket because protection breaks down or there's a blitz or something. So they're going to go five wide. They are going to give him a simple decision to make. Is it man or is it zone? That's it. You know, you don't have to – I don't care if it's cover one, cover three, cover six, quarter, quarter, half, man match, pattern match, whatever. Just tell me if it's man or zone. If you, if it's man, you're throwing the concept to your left. If it's zone, to your right or vice versa. That's what they're asking him to do right now. So he's handling empty formations, but they're empty formations that are designed to give him quick designed reads and throws. And he's executing that part of the game pretty well. He's handling the pocket really well. And we should have expected that because that was one of his best things coming out of LSU was his pocket management, his pocket poise, his awareness and his toughness and all that stuff. The deep ball is a question mark. I think he's like one of 12 on throws of 20 yards downfield right now. You look it up a pro football focus, the numbers are pretty bad. Now, he did hit on one for his first NFL touchdown, which was impressive. And what impressed me about that throw was it was just two plays removed. He had two plays in that game early Thursday night where he saw a cover six look. The first one, hard corner to his left. The vertical route on the sideline is open, but he throws the angle route to his running back. And I did a video on it. You can find it on my timeline. I forget when I did it, whatever. Nothing matters. Eat at Arby's. <laughs> he doesn't throw the vertical route. You'd love to see him throw the vertical route there, but he doesn't. He throws the angle route to Mixon, which I, you know, look, Joe Mixon on a linebacker. Okay. But two plays later, he gets the same exact coverage look, and they run this vertical switch verticals concept out of 13 personnel, very creative. It's a play-action fake, but he has that whole shot, and this time he throws it for a touchdown. And that's impressive because it's not a situation where on week one he missed it, they talked about it in film, and then he came back the next week and made the right read. This was like two plays later. You know, he's learning on the fly. So that's impressive. But the deep ball is a work in progress. But it's really those empty formations. Steven Ruiz, he has a piece that he does each week now over at For the Win called, you know, the cut up. Where he just cuts up stuff. And he did a cut up of Burrow thrown out of empty. It was 12 minutes long. (laughs) It was 12 minutes. And this is of the Game Pass All-22 where it's it's not like you have to like cut the broadcast film and there's a big build up. No. It's 12 minutes of him throwing out of empty formations. That's incredible. So that's what you're going to see from the Bengals schematically. You're going to see a lot of empty. And you mentioned the deep ball. And yeah, I was just looking at the stats. He has one for 12 adjusted completion percentage of 8.3. That's second worst in the league among uh, ingrained starters. Worst is Jimmy Garoppolo. Garoppolo. He's zero for five. Drew Locke is one for eight. Mitchell Trubisky is two for 11. Patrick Mahomes is one for five. Like, there's a mix of quarterbacks in there, so I don't necessarily freak out about I mean, it. It's it's early, it's <laughs> noisy. I mean, can we? You mentioned Mahomes. Do you know 
who is in the bottom three of average depth of target or intended air yards right now in the National Football League? Man, I could not tell. When you say a dot, all I can think is of uh, Carson Wentz going from 12 yards intended air yards to 6.1 from one week to the next. Who who is in the bottom? Mahomes three? is in the bottom three. Really, that's interesting. Six point one right now, because uh, I'm getting ready. I'm looking at Derek Carr, who's actually above Mahomes in an intended air yards over at Next Gen Stats, and I could not believe that. <laughs> I'm like, okay, look, 2020 again has thrown us some curveballs. Yeah, but I don't want to live in a world where Derek Carr's average intended air yards are higher than Patrick Mahomes. I mean, Tyrod Taylor, Justin Herbert have higher intended air yards. Yeah. If I'm going off a uh, off of memory there, which yeah. I mean, who would it? I mean, I think it's that? just I think it's Teddy and Breeze yeah. who are the only two quarterbacks below Mahomes right now. With Burrow, when you watched his deep ball in college, what were your thoughts overall, and how do you think this this shakes out for him? Is is this something that you know is a problem that you seen may have popped up because of the the, the talent at wide receiver at LSU is just bonkers, yeah, and you know the, the scheme and everything like that. Where do you see him kind of ending up with this? What does he need to fix? How can he fix it? I mean, I think the sort of issue, and as he does. So well, Betts kind of crystallized it in one way on Twitter at all 22, where he's just like, his arm just isn't good enough. Mm. Like, I think there is a certain top end area of the field where Burrow's arm isn't elite. You yeah. know, when you're talking about going downfield. Um, but I liken it more to the Deshaun Watson discussion. Because, yeah, is Burrow somebody that's going to dial up the Josh Allen RPMs on throws? No. But when he has to hit on throws downfield, he has to do it more with touch and put more loft on it and make quicker decisions so the ball comes out because the arm isn't there right now. He can get there. Like mm. you can add velocity as you get older and mature. And yeah, Burrow's a little bit older than most rookie quarterbacks, but still, I think it's going to be okay. You know, this is an offense in Zach Taylor's. It's more rooted in sort of West Coast concepts anyway. So most of the stuff he's going to be asked to do is going to be underneath. And so I think he's going to be all right. But yeah, I mean, that that might be something to think about. Does he have the sort of velocity to really drill it into tighter windows when you get 10, 15, 20, 25 yards downfield? Okay. If you had to pick a winner in this game, who are you taking? I mean, I'm not... I'm taking Philly. I'm taking the Eagles just because I think this is your like back in a corner, up against a wall kind of game. Yeah. You know, I, I think, look, when when you see Doug Peters and go at Kemsky the way he did, like you can only imagine what that locker room's like right now. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's that old cornered animal kind of situation. I think they're going to sort of band together and, and figure this one out. So, yeah, you know, I'll take Philly. Plus, look, Cincinnati, they had to throw it 60 plus times. They can't protect Burrow right now. Like, I think Philly can get after him. And it's not like since his defense is that good. Like, yeah. When should – if let's put it this way. If we're talking about an 0-3 Eagles team next week, like, forget panic button. Like, we're in full-on, like, launch rockets. Like, you know, give me the nuclear suitcase type of situation here. Like, can you imagine the Hurts discussion if we're talking about an 0-3 Eagles team? Yeah. I'm going to go into hiding. Like I'm, I'm gonna have to. You mentioned the I pressure. Can't my face. <laughs> you mentioned the pressure. Joe Burrow is in the top ten for quickest time to throw at two point four seconds. Also top ten in terms of being pressured as well. So they are definitely yeah. having square those numbers. <laughs> right, exactly. They're having some issues. All right, Mark, that is going to do it for the QB factory. Any last words for the gentle listeners before we get the heck on out of here, man? I mean, just, just. 
It's one of those, as Sir Alex Ferguson, the great football manager, would say, it's squeaky bum time. <laughs> it is squeaky bum time. Um, yeah, I mean, let's hope we get a W because otherwise, friends, yeah. oh boy, it's going to be a rough week next week. So we thank you for joining us on the QB Factory. Make sure you subscribe to BGN following at BGN underscore radio. Follow at Michael Kist NFL and, of course, at Mark Schofield. And also subscribe to the SB Nation NFL show where you can hear your boy. Uh, there are a couple of times a week breaking down some film, talking about some uh, some reactions on Monday. So that's going to do it for us. As always, go dominate and have yourselves a day. <laughs> <laughs>